Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. Every other week, we dive into the topics that matter to moms most, answering your most pressing questions as we learn from top-notch experts, swap stories, tap into our creative sides, and advocate for the causes that moms truly care about, all while hanging with your mom friends. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks for coming back to Mama Needs a Moment. We are always grateful when you choose to spend your moments with us. Every other week, we bring you a fresh episode to enjoy. That equals two episodes per month. In one of the episodes each month, we visit with a woman's health expert. And in the other episode, we connect with a fellow mom. In this week's episode, we are spending quality time with friend, mom, and business owner, Lauren Stevens. Lauren is owner and founder of Joyworthy Co., a business focused on designing workshops that foster creativity, human connection, and emotional wellness. What does charcuterie design, candle making, and paint splatter have in common? They are just a few examples of the fun and creative workshops that Lauren hosts in an effort to gather people together. Lauren is a perfect example of someone who embodies the word sparkle. She has an effervescence that lights people up when they're around her and makes casual conversation effortless. As you'll soon hear, Lauren shares insights about emotional intelligence, being a single parent, the power of gathering, finding joy, and overcoming fear. Let's get started. Lauren, we are so excited to have you with us today and to just get to know you more and just have some time for girl talk. This just, it'll be so fun. Oh, I'm pumped for some girl talk. Yes. It's nice to talk with adults. I mean, I love my tiny humans, but you ladies are thrilling. So I'm, I'm ready. Let's do this. Oh, yay. Okay. So we're going to start with some get to know you questions. So the first question, fill in the blank. Motherhood is. An adventure, a big old fat adventure that I'm excited to be a part of. Best adventure in my whole life. Right, it is. And I love your answer because it is truly an adventure. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, when you travel, I think the best parts of the trips are always the unexpected part. The, the place or the restaurant you find along the way or the landmark that you weren't expecting that you took these great pictures with, the laughter, the fun. Sometimes even like getting caught in the storm. We got caught in the rain at the beach, all of us, this summer. And I was a little scary at first and the kids were nervous and everything. But we have laughed so hard about that moment ever since. And my six-year-old was like, mom, when can we do that again? And I'm like, oh, I don't know if we're going to actually do that again. But it turned out to be one of the best family stories. I think kids are kind of like that. Motherhood is it's just one big adventure of ups and downs. And it's like one big roller coaster ride that's really exciting and has amazing times and down times. But overall, you would do it again, like in a heartbeat. I think that answer fits you so well. Like, <laughs> have, who you are, it just, it that fits you very well. I'm not sure what that means, but I feel good about it. I feel good about 100% it. 100% <laughs> a compliment. That is a compliment. Cool mom club, remember? 100% cool a compliment. We are. We're the cool moms. <laughs> Got you. 
Lauren, what is the cleanest room in your house? I'm so excited to hear this. Okay, so so this is only by default that I did clean my room, but it's because I knew I was going to be on this podcast. So it's like not, that's not real life actually. So I, I would be lying to you if I actually said there were clean rooms in my home at any time, except when company comes over, which hasn't happened a ton in the past year. So we're just going to go with, can we like, is there like a skip to this question? Sure. Can I like opt out one? We'll create Um, it. You know, okay. So if, if I had to say what gives me peace in cleaning is when I can keep my bed made. That's very true. Yes. So like the whole house can be a disaster, but if I come into my bedroom and my bed has like all seven throw pillows on it and the comforter is smoothed out and there's no dog or kids on the bed I just like okay and the whole room feels cleaner the whole room feels good Mm -hmm. like I don't even clean the rest of the room but I feel good about it because my bed is made Lauren I feel like you'd be a really good person to ask this so that Cindy and I know if it's just us okay Cindy and I have talked about the satisfaction of like mopping or vacuuming (laughs) and I don't know if we're just I don't know if we're weird but like when you get the lines across (laughs) we both find it very satisfying is that is you too or is it just weird so I am that weirdo. Like after, okay, after I moved out of my last apartment and cleaned it, I took pictures and I sent them to my boyfriend. I was like, look at it. Like if only it could have looked like this when we lived here. Like the carpet was all beautiful. It had the lines in it. Like the windows were open and it was bright and it just had all this room. And I was like, why do we even have our stuff here? We could have just lived here like this and I would have been happy. Or if there's guests coming over, then you're like, 10 minutes, anything you can do, (laughs) throw it in the closet. (laughs) Shove it in, yep. (laughs) What's bringing your life sanity right now? So friends are my sanity. And they're talking to ladies like you. I just had coffee with my friend Shannon this morning and it was a beautiful thing. We just, we vent about parenting and motherhood. You led us right into the next question so beautifully. What do you look for in a mom friend? Oh, that is a really great question. I don't know that I have criteria exactly. Like if you are a mom, like I want to be your friend because we're in this together, girl. Like whatever you decide as like your parenting method, I I have no judgment. Like what you what you're doing with your kids, like we are all just trying our best. There's no right rule. There's no rule book. There's nothing to say that's going to be like the perfect answer to motherhood. So I think I maybe look for diversity is would be my answer. I want a mom group of friends that I can bounce ideas off of, give me new ideas about parenting, how maybe I haven't thought of handling a situation, but they're like, girl, I got you. Like, this is my new idea. And then I will we might try it. We might not. We'll see where, like, where it goes. Support is another thing that I would look for. Just supportive friends. No judgment, supportive mom friends. Mm-hmm. A really nice place to be in. Yeah. You seem to have that energy about you where you connect easily with people. What is a characteristic or something you look for in a person that actually helps them get deeper with you? Oh, okay. So... I think natural 
connection is best. So anything organic is my very favorite. You know, just meeting someone for the first time and maybe you connect over the way your kids come out of carpool or, you know, something like that. It's, it could be anything, but natural connection is my favorite. Forced conversation is really hard for me, but in the same token, I do connect really easily with people. Like I love people. I love meeting new people and chatting about things. Uh, authenticity is probably my favorite way to be with people and connect with them. Any way I can just be real with you, like, girl, my house is never going to be clean. And yeah, I hate car line. It sucks. And that kind of thing. Like, you know, it, that's how you know you're really connecting with someone. When all of the pleasantries are like, kind of pushed over here and you're like yeah let's talk let's like real talk right now we need to say like what's really on our mind so true one thing you'd like to learn you just hit me with all the heavy hitters like in a row so I love learning I think learning is a lifetime challenge and I just want to learn more and more things I have a huge list so one thing is okay stock market I really want to learn how to invest my money more wisely. So when I'm older, I am not working hard. I'm I'm having my money work hard for me. And uh, to all the ladies out there, I think this is a huge, huge win for y'all. Maybe we can like start this like mom investing group or something. Maybe you guys can help me with it. But I just bought my first 10 stocks. So I'm learning. I know. I'm excited. And I started, I used three different apps because I want to see like, which one helps me more, which one's better for my, and I use this word lightly because I don't even really know what it means. Well, which one's better for my portfolio? <laughs> just learned that I have this. Okay. I know. So, I, you're, that's brilliant. A brilliant answer because I would love to learn that as well. Chrissy was just clapping in the background. She was like, yes, yes. <laughs> exactly what I would like to. I love that answer so much. And I think it's so important to teach our kids. You know, right. we, I, our generation, I don't feel was taught that we, we didn't really have a personal finance class. We didn't really, you know, like you're just yes. kind of thrown out there when you graduate and you're left to navigate that yourself. And my partner, he's actually pretty into it. He's gotten into it and he's kind of just self-taught and that's awesome. I would love to learn it too. So I'm all in for this, this club. Yes! Let's do this. <laughs> do it ladies. Let's do it. So my partner has just gotten into it recently. He's been in it longer than me for about a year now. Um, and he's really into cryptocurrency, which I don't know if that's like my jam or not, but I would love to learn more about it. And I think you're totally right. I think we don't teach our kids enough about finances. Like it's a huge part of the world they'll live in once they're out of school and they come out of school knowing zero about it. I want my boys to be financially savvy when they graduate. I want them to know how to purchase a home, how to not live in debt, how to manage their credit score, things like that, how to invest for themselves. And really the things that I feel like we didn't learn until maybe we were out of college which is unfortunate. Like we do need to have some classes on it. Forget like calculus too. Let's do, let's do like finance 101. I agree. What are you reading or watching right now? (sighs) Okay, so it is called A Manifesto for Women Everywhere. So basically 
It's, yeah, it's amazing. Julian so, Anderson, isn't she from X-Files? She is. She is. So uh, she, originally she's from X-Files, but then she made this beautiful book with one of her best friends. And it talks all about how to not live your life for other people, how to live your life for yourself, how to embrace your womanhood and it not be a cultural or a societal womanhood, but your true self, not who society tells you to be or what you think you should be, what a woman looks like, but truly embracing the power that you have as a woman in in today's world and what that looks like. And it's it's a really cool book. It also gives you like excerpts and exercises to do. Um, there's stress relief, there's um, coming into your own right, which is like finding out that you're enough. Like just the self-realization that you are enough right where you're at. Like you are so powerful right here and right now without anything else, without anyone else, you as a person have enough to do whatever it is you're dreaming of. Oh my gosh. Highly, I, I did, highly recommend this guy. Are so you good. done with it? Did you finish it? So no, no, I'm actually, I am, hold on. I, someone will hate me for this, but I've been pages. So let me find my bent page. Is that a library book? I'm going to turn you in. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that bends my library book pages. Come on. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put it up so the Wake County Library won't Wait, I'm going to prop my computer back on it now. Here we go. Yeah. No judgment here, Lauren. I, I occasionally bend pages. You're, She's you're scared fine. that library security is going to come after her. No, that's okay. No, you're Please okay. You're safe. Library card. You're safe. You're safe. We won't. I'm adding that book to my list. That yes. sounds amazing. That is added yes. to my must read list. It's so good. I'm not even finished with it, but I'm a huge fan. Um, the other book that I would highly recommend not reading it now, but I've literally read it three times. You are a badass. I uh, love that book. I, uh, so as soon as you said you, I was like, she's going to say you are a badass. So good. <laughs> yes, that's such a good one. I really enjoy that one too. We would love to hear more about your journey to motherhood. How has becoming a mom changed you and your life? It changed everything. Literally everything changed. Hudson was a surprise. So I was not trying to get pregnant. I was as, as if I, I was told I could not have kids. So he was a massive, massive surprise in my life. Uh, I got pregnant at 29, which is like all in all, probably a really great age to get pregnant. Like you're not in your teen years, you're not in your early 20s, but nothing, no amount of age or time could have prepared me for motherhood right? Like it's just something you can't, like no matter what you do, even if you was planned or not planned, I don't think any amount of planning or time or age prepares you for the change that motherhood brings. He was the best thing, guys, he's the best thing that has ever happened to me in my whole life. He is literally the best thing that has ever happened, ever. I still think that today, like he is so wonderful like he's just so full of life and energy and smiles and happiness and made me realize like I am also amazing and full of this wonderfulness that I think I was missing before I had him it made me want to live a better life it made me want to get a different job and 
have different relationships and value myself more for him. Like, so he can see me be a person that is worthy of the joy that he brings me. That is absolutely beautiful. And I like you said the joy worthy, which we'll get to in a second. That was beautiful. Yeah. I think kids often act as a mirror for us in a lot of ways. You know, they force us to see what maybe we don't like about ourselves and what we want to change. And you're right. I mean, so often I think moms focus on that side of things, but they can also be a beautiful window to seeing what is wonderful about yourself. You have raised this child to be this incredible person. You did that. There's something in you that they are mirroring. That's a very, very valuable thing to kind of shed light on and spend a moment reflecting on. That is an absolutely beautiful answer. Thank you. I, uh, <laughs> you're going to make me cry. He seriously is my everything. Like everything that has come after him is built for him and around him. He is the joy of my life. So beautiful. Yes. We're going to take it to the direction of talking about Joyworthy Co., which is the company. Okay, hold on. Oh, yeah, you got to gather yourself. Okay, okay. Joyworthy Co. is the company that you founded. And on your website, it states that at Joyworthy, you believe that gathering people together creates joy in and of itself. Your objective is for each class to be more than just a class. Can you tell us what that means to you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I created Joyworthy because I really feel like everyone is worthy of so much more joy in their lives than we allow ourselves to have sometimes. I was in a place in my life before where I was doing all the things that I, was, I thought I was supposed to do. Like I had my nine to five, it was stable. You know, I was coming home and we would have dinner every night and we would do the bath time and I would get him ready for bed. And, but I realized somewhere along the way, I was just going through motions. I wasn't, I wasn't unhappy, but wasn't at the happiest that I could be. And I think we all go through that, like talking to my mom friends out there and you wouldn't have to have kids to be going through this, honestly, like you can just be any person anywhere and you can get sucked into emails and daily routine and grind and just creating the life that we all think we're supposed to have with two and a half dogs and a picket fence and a house and a garage and you know, whatever it is that society tells us, but it's, that's not happiness. Like it's okay. It's, it's all right. You're not living a bad life. It's good, but it's not where the happiness comes from. It's not in the moment joy. It's not like when you think of the happiest times, at least for me, is when I'm in the moment, either with my kids or my friends or my family, and we're having those real conversations or tacos on the floor, or I'm in the bathtub with wine and this book that I've ruined from the library. It's those moments, right? That you just, you cherish them. And so I wanted to do something in my life that got me away from all that, but also got other people away from all that, that had a passion behind it, that had a cause, because I do love people and I want them to be as happy as I am. I want to bring that joy to other people's lives. So Joyworthy is a place where you can get together with friends, with family, with your kids, and you get two hours that are just in the moment. 
where you get to live in pure joy and not worry about emails, not worry about day to day, not be a robot. You don't have to do anything else but enjoy that moment. Just enjoy your time and your space and you laugh, you eat, you create. It's all about living in your joy. And so it, it really is the act of gathering together, I think, that brings people that joy. Like I don't do it myself. I just create the environment where people can get there because they bring the people who bring them joy already. And then you get to do something where you don't have to clean up after, what? Like that's a win in itself. But you don't clean up after, you spend two hours there making things together and laughing together. And then you go home and like you're free. Like you don't have to do the dirty part. You don't have to do anything bad at the end of it. And that's the environment that I am striving to create. How do you make, well, this is kind of two questions to take two ways. How do you make the vision of creating this togetherness come to life? And then how did you create the business to come to life? So it's been a journey because I finally got the courage. I've had this daydream of Joyworthy for seven years, y'all. And I finally got the courage to do it last year. And then about three weeks after I decided to do it, the world shut down. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So there's that. Now people aren't gathering together. And my vision of this company is gathering together. So my brother says to me, he's like, Lauren, let me get this straight. You quit your job to create a company. The sole purpose of it is for people to gather together for joy. And you created a worldwide pandemic. And I was like, I create <laughs> He was like, only you can do this. <laughs> but, and he's one of those people who tease. But really, it has been a wild adventure trying to get people to come together during this. But on the other hand, and the other side of it, People need it more than ever right now. It is so needed in this time. I get people who come to class and they're on their first date after COVID or it's the first time away from their kids or it's their first time getting to do an activity with their kid again and out of the house. And they email me afterwards and they're like, I needed this so much more than I realized. I get these wonderful, beautiful emails about how they're, you know, coming together for the first time to celebrate a birthday that they didn't get to last year, or they, you know, they have been really stressed at home with the kids and have been snapping at them. And then they came to class and they were able to reconnect with them. It's just like for every one of those compliments that I get, it just keeps me going. It keeps me driving on, even if there's like, And sometimes there are classes where I have like five people and like a part of me wants to be sad and be like, oh no, my company is not thriving, but usually they're the best classes because people actually get to interact and enjoy each other and meet each other and learn who the other person in the room is. Like you're not just across from someone listening to the person in the front of the room, you're actually creating friendships. And I've seen, thanks to social media, so many people after workshops that become friends in real life. And then I get to see pictures of them later. And I'm like, oh, 
it's you guys, you guys met in my class and I'm so pumped about it. And like, I like comment on their Instagram, like some freaky stalker. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad you guys are friends. Like I'm real excited now. I'm so happy for y'all. I don't create it. Like it just happens naturally. I, like I said, it's the environment to do something that's not behind a screen and it's really nice. Yeah. That, that environment is important though, to, to making those connections and you exude a certain energy that I know is apparent in all of your events and clearly helps foster that connection between people. I have no doubt about that. You describe Joyworthy as a combination of creative activity with emotional intelligence and on your website. And I love this. You say, think wine and design meets a TEDx, which (laughs) beautiful marketing. I love that. Will you talk about your desire to instill creative activity into your business and what you mean by combining that with emotional intelligence? Absolutely. So if you haven't read the book, Emotional Intelligence, first of all, highly recommend it. Like top tier reading list material. I like that book so much. I didn't bend the pages in it. So if you'd like to borrow my copy, it is available. Yes. I took good care of it. And, uh, what it's about. Okay. So we all know that there is IQ, right? But there's also something called EQ, which is your emotional quotient of intelligence. And we have used that long before we created as a society IQ, which is your intellectual quotient of intelligence. So thinking back to any time where you are emotionally driven to spend time with your kids or take care of a loved one or spend time with basically anyone that you care about and love, that's your emotional intelligence coming in. And I find that the older I get, the more important it is for me to be emotionally intelligent than intellectually intelligent. I would rather have kindness and strength in my life from making human connection than being able to recite things in an intellectual way. And so I really wanted to include all of these things into Joyworthy. Emotional intelligence includes things like being able to communicate effectively in your relationships, being able to act in a social setting where you're comfortable and you're not feeling anxiety from having to interact with other people. So I wanted to create a foundation for Joyworthy where people could come in and they just feel wholly welcome as themselves where society hasn't altered how we feel in that connection space. So we come in, I encourage people to just leave your phone down. Like, yes, take pictures. Yes, tag us. That's awesome. That's how our small business thrives. But like, be in the moment. So you can really communicate effectively and find connection in that room and in that activity. Also, creative activity opens us to this cool thing called flow that helps our EQ. So what flow is, is when you are making something with your own hands and you get so wrapped up in that thing that it allows you to go to a brain space where it frees you from other thought. 
So your stress, your anxiety, all those things that you might have been feeling coming in are dissolved away through the activity because you're so focused on what you're creating. You don't have the brain space in that moment to feel all of that. So that's why things like, and I am not an exercise kind of person. So, but exercise also does this, they say. So, but that's why things like these activities are so important because it gives us an emotional release from things that hold us down. So like, maybe you're not an exercise person, but maybe you like wine and to like make things. And that's where I come in. So I can give you an emotional uplift through other things that you do enjoy that get your mind off of things. Where the wine and design meets the TED Talks is I think there, right there in flow, where you get to like drift away into your creative process. It's not something I actually talk about in classes. I found that emotional intelligence takes a lot of time to explain or even dive into, but it's happening. It's happening without the words ever being said. So when they come in, they get to unwind, take some time to find out that the other people in the room want to get to know them. There's no awkward anxiety of social meeting and then dive into their activity and get into their flow. That's all emotional intelligence coming together without us ever chatting about it. This episode is sponsored by Behind the Behaviors, a 10-week online course designed to redefine what differences really mean. Dr. Joni Johnson helps participants navigate through the misconceptions of ADHD, autism, learning disabilities, mood disorders, and other behavior problems. Dr. Joni walks you from a place of fear to acceptance, providing an overview of challenging behaviors, teaching you ways to embrace the superpowers of invisible disabilities, exploring why autism in girls is often missed, understanding the different interventions and medications that are available, exploring effective communication techniques, discussing the new normal of parenting children with special needs, and talking about what to do if you, the adult, are the one with ADHD or autism, and covering strategies and techniques for managing those challenging behaviors. Behind the Behaviors is designed for anyone interested in learning more about autism and ADHD, and is based on the extensive feedback Dr. Joni has received from the countless workshops she has led on these topics. Past course participants include doctors, teachers, and parents. We are excited to offer listeners of Mama Needs a Moment a very generous 50% discount on Dr. Joni's Behind the Behaviors online course. Using the link provided in our show notes, enter the code at checkout, Her Health Collective. Do you feel that there was a time in your life where these areas, the, the creativity, the emotional intelligence, the flow became a struggle for you? which led you to be so passionate about it and instill it into your business? Absolutely. So it was a struggle of mine for years. Like I remember as a teenager and probably my mom can tell you best because she saves every literal piece of artwork I've ever created in my life. I, I was so creative as a kid and as a teenager and I lost that somewhere along the line there. Like I became more obsessed with working and more obsessed with like getting the life I thought I wanted than living in creativity and joy. And I really struggled with it for a long time. So much so that I didn't even, I didn't realize 
I needed it anymore until I started doing it again, until Hudson was born. But I think that's when it all came back full circle. And I was like, I don't do the things I used to do. I don't do the things that used to make me so happy. Like, and you literally have to ask yourself, why don't I do that anymore? I question things like that all the time. And I think it's good to get to that place where you do occasionally question that because it makes you pull back a little bit. And I don't know if this is true for you, but I have found that it's a constant ebb and flow. Like there's periods where I'm in a really good state and then I kind of go backwards again. And I'm like, why did I let those things go? Those things that brought me joy and enjoyment and that I'm passionate about. And I'll try to bring them back in again. And then life sinks its claws in again. And I kind of go down that path. So it's kind of a bit of a mountain going up and down, but absolutely. We talk to a lot of moms, but you also see a lot of people mixing and mingling for the first time, which you had mentioned previously. Why do you think situations like that are so awkward for so many? And how do you suggest people embrace the discomfort that they feel of meeting someone for the first time? That's a great question. And uh, I think a huge part of it that is a part of our, our society today that help, that makes us struggle more is social media and internet and being virtual 80% of the time now. We don't know how to interact in person the way we used to. And it's really not our fault. We have been given all of these wonderful things in technology. I'm not knocking them because they allow us to be together in times like COVID and they connect us to people all over the world, which is so wonderful. But it hinders us sometimes from meeting our neighbors, from actually connecting in person at the grocery store or just on these small everyday levels because we're used to having a safety blanket of being behind a screen of getting edited. I'm totally agreeing with you because (laughs) everything is edited. And then you get out in front of people and you're so insecure about saying the right thing or offending somebody or that you almost stifle yourself and your true identity and your true authenticity that you're going to either be judged or criticized or something. So I agree. Yeah, we we live in a world of diversity and non-diversity all in one token I think and it's a really weird place to be in we don't know what we can say to people anymore we're not sure appropriate topics to talk about so I think we keep it too lighthearted sometimes as to not offend anyone or not to go into a place of authenticity because we're scared like we're honestly we just get frightened of like we want to be kind. We, I think we all have the best intentions. And because of that, we sometimes don't share ourselves because we don't think it's appropriate. Or we think maybe people will take it in a way that we don't mean. And so we just kind of pull back and we refrain. We also have all this competition on the internet to look a certain way. We have filters. We have all of these things. So like when we come out and we're our real selves in person, really intimidating. So, I mean, it's all of these things that social media has blessed us with and cursed us with, I think, all at the same time. It's creating an environment, though, where all of those things really don't matter. I think it's the most beautiful part of Joyworthy. Like, you come in and you instantly feel welcome. It's 
all of us together, the instructors that I've hired and work with um, myself, the people who come to class, allowing themselves to be there and not worry about how they're seen, to be able to say things freely, to be able to enjoy themselves freely. And how does, does this get created is I guess your question. How do we facilitate that to happen? Um, I think one is I, I come to class as me. Like I come in and I make a couple inappropriate jokes maybe, but it loosens people up. Like it's okay. Or I have paint on my clothes because let's face it, I, I paint. But yeah, I, I think it gives an environment to be yourself when you're also included in an environment where people are already being themselves. Absolutely. It's almost that sense of permission or, you know, you see somebody else doing it and it makes you want to do it too, but it helps you overcome that fear, I guess. There's a lot of fear in opening up and, yeah. and letting your true self show. Well, at one point you spoke about going deeper and, and talking about deeper topics. So we're going to take it to a deeper topic for a moment. You are very open about your divorce and raising your son Hudson as a single parent. As a child who was raised by a single parent, I have the utmost respect for any mom out there and dad, any, any parent out there who is taking on that challenge single-handedly because it is hard. You are everything. You wear all the hats. What do you find to be the biggest challenge of being a single parent? So I think for me, being a single parent is one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. And uh, I struggle, uh, like, honest to goodness, my struggle, my biggest struggle in life, like just whole life, is feeling like I'm enough for him. Being enough as one person. Like I can't make myself into two people and that hurts, that hurts me really bad sometimes that I, I don't know how to be his dad and his mom. And now that I don't know how to be, that I can't be. Like, I literally can't be like another person. And I wish I could. I wish I could literally split myself in two and like teach him sports and hand-eye coordination. Y'all, I don't have any hand-eye coordination. Zero percent. Like, we're talking, I don't even have depth perception. So like hand eye is out of, it's just out of the question, but really not being funny for a minute, being enough is where I, I think my biggest struggle comes in and failure, I think is tied to that. I don't want to fail him. I don't want him to ever look back and think, wow, I, I wish I had that other person in my life. Because I know one day he's going to have questions. Right now he's six and he doesn't. But at some point, he's going to say like, hey, where was my dad? Like, where, where was this person? And I don't want him to ever say like, I didn't get enough in my life. I want him to feel like he was fulfilled growing up. He had joy and he had laughter and he had all the things that he needed. He was able to play sports and he was able to connect with people and get uh, the feminine and masculine side of, of that parenting aspect from the people that he's around and that I surround him with. So even though he doesn't have per se, like the dad, the traditional 
that he's got a lot of really great male role models. And so I tell myself all the time, I don't have to be multiple people to satisfy that need in his life. There are plenty, like my brother, uh, my boyfriend, there are plenty of men out there who are really strong role models for him. There are plenty of women out there who are truly amazing role models for him as well. And uh, so I, teach, I try to teach him that every family looks different. Every family is not the same. Uh, we have all these beautiful different families around us and all this cool diversity. And I hope that helps him accept our family more too. Uh, we have these beautiful, beautiful families in our life that are blended families, that are families with two moms, that are families with two dads, that are families with a grandma and a child or, you know, with a grandparent who has become the parent. And I, I just encourage him to look at it all as the same. We're, we're all in this together. And I think that's how I cope with the struggle of not being the two people is to tell myself that too. Like not every family is the same and that's okay. Like we we're good just like this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that you're exactly right. You can't be two people. You're, you're not. And there is a certain age where a child recognizes, you know, why is a dad not in the picture when I see all these other families that do have that dad? And full disclosure, I am in therapy working through this right now. (laughs) There's still a lot of of emotions and and things that come up for me in that. But I, I think that you're exactly right by surrounding your son with those positive role models. And I know for me, it would have been very helpful to have multiple conversations about me being enough as a child, that it wasn't my fault in some way, because that has kind of followed me through to adulthood. This feeling of, was it something I did that created this scenario where my mom is alone and raising me by herself? So just kind of speaking at it from the child's perspective, it's always helpful to hear that messaging. Like, we love you and this is not anything you did is is huge the plus as well that you're taking the idea of family and expanding on that that a family doesn't just mean your typical nuclear family with the mom and the dad and the dog and the sibling that a family can look so different and still have love support and all the things that children need to flourish in life. So job well done. Thank you so much. I'm glad we're talking about this because I think that more parents than we know struggle with this, whether they're together or not together, or they don't live a traditional family life. And that's where they're struggling to teach their children that it looks different for everybody. And that's okay it's hard out there being a parent. Like it's hard to feel like you're enough. And it may be that the other parent is right there in the room and you don't agree on discipline or you don't agree on something. And maybe the the other parent isn't there. And maybe that you have two parents of the same sex and that's, you know, the struggle for acceptance in society. Or it may be a situation that's totally out of my realm of understanding 
But I think as parents, we all struggle with feeling like we're enough or like we can bring everything that that child needs to the table to make them into a wonderful, decent human being one day. And we're afraid of failing. Like, I don't know about y'all, but that's like my worst fear is that he turns out to not be a decent human as he gets older. And that's a, a recent conversation that I've been having with him because I really believe in just sharing with him the things that I'm going through, not in a, not in a way that I would tell you guys all of the adult version, but breaking it down for him as a kiddo and letting him know why I discipline him or why I ask him to do things. I'll look at him and I'll say, Hudson, what did I tell you my number one job is as your parent? And he says to me now, to make me a decent and kind human being. (laughs) And I'm like, yes. I'm like, so why do you have to do this? He's like, so I'll be a decent and kind human being. (laughs) (laughs) So we have these conversations openly of like, why, why are we doing this? Like, what's the end game that we're trying to get to when I get him to do something? And it's not because I'm his parent or because I said so, because I used to hate hearing that from my parents because I said so. It gave me like zero clarification. I'm like, because you, what? I don't, does that make sense? Is that an answer? But when I tell him that my job as a parent is not to be the best friend or the disciplinarian or the caretaker or any of those roles, it's really so he grows up to be this kind and decent human. He, it clicks for him. Even at age six, he's like, yeah, that's, that's like what I'm supposed to be and do. And I'm really glad that I started sharing it with him because I think before we weren't having those conversations and discipline has looked a lot different since then. And I feel, I think I feel better as a parent because I feel like I'm keeping the goal in mind, even without the other parent there. I'm like, okay, so what's the goal again? Sometimes I have to repeat it to myself alone. I'm like, trying to create a decent and kind human being. Yes. Okay. Go. We got this. Perfect. We've all just left this episode with a mantra that we'll be chanting to ourselves (laughs) as we walk down the street and perfect. Thank you. Um, Also in all of the beautiful things that you've said, I'm going to focus a little bit on two words that you mentioned, afraid and fear. And even though they tend to be a little bit negative, it's important for us to kind of draw our attention to that right now, because fear is a huge inhibitor for so many people. And it's something that you decided to face. You left your job. Like you've mentioned, you sold your house and started a business all while being a single parent. You also have a positive outlook on success and failure. Will you talk to us about how you got beyond the paralyzing effect of fear, how you developed your beliefs about success and failure, and what support systems you had in place to take this huge step in your life? So fear is something I still deal with on a daily basis, and failure, and all of those natural things that I think come to us as humans. 
One thing that helped me was the book we talked about earlier, You Are a Badass. I think that finally gave me the gumption after reading that to change some things in my life. Having Hudson was another big aspect that helped me change things. But I started looking at failure very differently after I read that book. I still have fear and I'm still afraid of failing, but I look at it as a stepping stone. I think fear sometimes can feel very final, like that's the end to a chapter or that's the end to our book or the end maybe to our career or marriage or whatever it is we're doing. If we fail at it, we feel like it's finite and it's not. You don't have to take fear of failure as the end. It's not the end. It's just one little thing, one little hiccup, one little obstacle, and you'll get through it. And then there'll be more failure in the future is the thing. But there'll also be more success and more happiness and more joy. And you'll be a better person for it because then you'll know how to really enjoy the joy. Like if you never failed, if you never did anything that included failure or heartbreak or losing, would you really have joy? And that's what I started to ask myself. I was literally keeping myself from happiness because I was afraid of the failure and the heartbreak part and the loss part. But you have to have those things to have the joy and to have the happiness and to really explore your own identity and know who you are. Because unless you take the chance and say, hey, I like this or I don't like this, and then move the things you don't like to one category and the things you like to another, you're just going to sit right here and be stagnant. And that's not joy. That's not where joy actually lives. That's where you're a robot and you're complacent and you just are going through the motions of life. You have to separate the categories and say, this is what brings me the joy and this is what doesn't. And then eliminate those. And we could call it failure. I like to call it, let's call it elimination from now on. Like we're eliminating the things that are, are bringing us low vibration and low energy. And we're supporting and excelling at the things that bring us the energy and bring us the good vibrations in our life and the things that bring us actual happiness. And so like, I don't know, failure is not as scary anymore when you think about it that way. Like now you get to know what really makes you happy. That's exciting. That's so exciting. So like, let's say that I work a job and I hate it. I quit my job or I lose it. Let's say I get fired. We could look at that as failure or we could look at it as an elimination of something low energy that didn't work out or bring me joy. And who needs that in their life? Like if we have a marriage, if it stinks, you don't want that in your life. You don't want to live the rest of your life in a low vibration setting that's not bringing you any energy or joy. And that equals divorce, which I guess some people call failure, but it's elimination so you can lead to the joy. And it hurts at the time. It's still not fun. It's not anything anybody ever wants to go through. But when you end up on the other side and you're finally out of it and you can sit and reflect back, you usually don't say, gosh, I wish I was still in that hopeless marriage. Gosh, I wish I still had that job. Gosh, I wish I was still there doing that horrible task that I really didn't want to do every day. 
you look at it and you say, oh, those things weren't creating value. Those things didn't help me. Those things were not adding anything I wanted to my life. And then you replace them with things that you do want. So I, I think, uh, yes, I still struggle with failure, but I look at it in a very, very different light now. Your outlook is incredible. Like your, your outlook <laughs> is just in, inspiring. So it's not failure, it's elimination. Like it's elimination it. of low vibration and low energy. Like who wants that? Like Linda may be a low vibration person in your life. And if Linda stops talking to you, dude, there's like Linda over here and she's high vibration and she's wonderful and she's no judgment. And like, maybe we add her, not saying eliminate everyone from your life because that's not probably an okay thing to say to people, but just think of it as a stepping stone to better things when things like that happen, whether it's divorce or a job or a person, or maybe even you lost your car or your home, or it could be, I mean, it could be huge. It could be a really big thing in your life that you're struggling with. Maybe you and your kid are not getting along. Yeah. Like it, it could be anything and just acceptance of the failure and learning how to move that failure into the category of something good. Well, speaking of struggle, yes. what is, what is your biggest struggle currently in your role as a mom? Patience. We hear that a lot, actually. That's a really hard one, man. That's really hard. Right now, my kiddo is going through a phase of asking his whys. And he's also going through a very energetic phase of his life where he has, honestly, guys, he has energy for days. Like he, if I didn't make him go to bed at night, he would just stay up. And then he like could be up at 6 a.m. after that. He's going through energy and the why phase. And for me, having to do most of my work from home, at least the background work, there's a lot of behind the scenes that goes into Joyworthy that people don't see at the events. But I work most of the time on a computer from home until the actual event happens, until the show goes down. And uh, he's there with me. And then now my boyfriend has a, a wonderful three-year-old and now we've added him to the mix and he's also there with us a lot of the times. So I think that I've had to learn a whole new level of patience. I've not learned, I'm learning, I'm in the process because it's hard, it's hard, right? You wanna give them your time and attention, but you don't have an allocated basket for all that time and attention. It's all got to be in the same basket because we're all at home working and we're doing our things together. And so like, how do I show them attention and answer their questions and get their energy out, but also finish my project on time and focus on my work and the computer and what needs to be done there. It's like the craziest thing to me. It doesn't even make sense in my head yet. So I know it doesn't make sense to them because they see me right in front of them where I used to be able to be in a place of giving them attention when I'm in front of them. And now it's more of this. One minute, I'm almost done. Uh, can you give me five more minutes? 
and they don't get that because I'm right here. Like, why am I not paying them attention and I'm right here in front of them? It's a hard balance to fight. Yes, I'm right there with you. (laughs) Right there with you. I was experiencing this just last night. I was trying to get something done. The girls got home from school and all that I wanted to do was just pay attention to them. (laughs) But I had to get it done. So I'm just a couple more minutes. I'll be right there. And then the guilt comes in. And then there's just a lot of things that we work through as parents. What message do you think every mom should hear? Just that you are enough. Another thing is you are not just a mom. Like motherhood is a piece and a part of your personality, but it is not your identity. So live and give yourself other pieces without feeling guilt about those other pieces because you need to be a whole person for your kid. Like it doesn't do them any good if motherhood is your identity because you're not feeding yourself and your soul. And when they grow up, you want them to be a whole person. So why wouldn't you want it for yourself so you can show that to them? Like you can be what you want them to be. Like we want it so bad for our kids and it's so easy for us to think of it in those terms. Like if someone asked me and came up to me and they're like, would you want your daughter to feel like just a mom and only a mom. Immediately, I'd be like, of course not, no. But if for ourselves, we, we don't do it as much. So I think um, the message that I would give to every mom is motherhood is a piece of the puzzle and it's a very important piece, but it's not your entire puzzle. Think of it as the cornerstones, the edges, and then you fill up the rest with all those things that make you whole, a whole person. And that's your enough. Lauren, it has been so everything. I'm speechless because it's just been a really wonderful time together. I'm truly grateful for you spending this time with us and and sharing so much with us. Thank you. Uh, Thank you guys. You guys are a joy to be around. I think you are two really lovely women and I can't wait to get to know you guys better. Thank you, Lauren. It's impossible to not become Insta-friends with Lauren. Her energy is contagious. She listens just as well as she shares, and everything comes from a place of genuine interest. Lauren's insights and what she shared within this episode were impactful. Here are three of our takeaways. Number one, Joy Worthy Co. is described by Lauren as a combination of creative activity with emotional intelligence. We asked Lauren to elaborate on this concept. She explained that emotional intelligence is understanding and managing emotions in a way that is positively impacting our stress levels, the way we empathize with others, and working through conflict. It's just as important in life as a person's IQ. Lauren mentioned, quote, I find that the older I get, the more important it is for me to be emotionally intelligent than actually intellectually intelligent. I would rather have kindness and strength in my life from making human connection than being able to recite things in an intellectual way, end quote. This was so important to her that she included ways of building a person's emotional intelligence into her business. Creative activity, having a place to gather with others to foster connection with the people who are important to you, and casual, friendly social setting where authenticity is encouraged are all Lauren's efforts 
to bring emotional intelligence into the experience at Joyworthy Co. Number two, families are all different. There are dozens of variations of families and having this diversity around us is a gift. Having what a child needs to flourish doesn't come from one particular type of family or even one person. It's hard for parents to feel that they are giving their child or children enough of what they need to thrive in this world. We are all trying to guide our children into being the best people they can be, and that can often feel like a lot of pressure. Lauren has turned to honest, clear, and age-appropriate communication with her son. She tells him that her number one job as his parent is to guide him to be a decent and kind human being. We all agreed that this was an amazing mantra and one that we should have on repeat. When our kids ask us why they have to do something, or perhaps when they say, you're being so unfair, you can say either to yourself or to your child, I'm teaching you to be a kind and decent human being. Number three, fear and the fear of failure is something we all face on a daily basis. Lauren has decided to change her outlook on fear and failure. It takes the fear out of failure when you begin to look at it from a different perspective. We often view failure as finite or the end. She doesn't look at them as the end, but a stepping stone. She believes that with failure, a person also experiences successes. The failures help to more fully feel the joy and happiness of success. You have to have failure in order to really explore your own identity and know who you are. It helps you experiment with what you like or don't like rather than sitting stagnant in the middle with analysis paralysis. Lauren has chosen to use the word elimination rather than failure. She says that by taking chances and experimenting with what brings you joy, rather than sitting in fear, you begin to more clearly discern what has low energy and can be eliminated from your life. And instead, choose the things that bring us happiness and create value in our lives. Goodbye, friends. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us so you're the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.